Struggling to keep track of your story and world? Archivos is for you! More intuitive than a wiki, more extensible than Scrivener, Archivos builds your story bible into your personal, always-on tactical display. Graphical relationship charting, continuity tools, this thing has it all, with bonus options for fan engagement and real-time collaboration. Archivos. Story world management done right www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to the Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, and what the hell, we're still here after all these years, talking creativity, business, art, discipline, and just about everything else we can think to cram into the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1093. Today we hear from Tim, who asks... Grit. How do you express a character's mental toughness, whether they're a point-of-view character or not? Um, this is harder to do if you are not mentally tough yourself. I don't know if you are mentally tough or not, um, so it's not a slur on you. But, um... The easiest way to understand this is to contrast fragility with toughness. Fragile people go to pieces under pressure, they tend to be highly anxious, they have difficulty making decisions. Once they make decisions, they have difficulty following through. They're, they second-guess their decisions. They second-guess their decisions, they're beset with a tremendous amount of uncertainty. They generally lack the ability to commit their whole selves to anything, and when they encounter a setback, it is devastating to their sense of self. Grittiness and fragility exist on a spectrum, right? It's not just that you have totally glass characters on one side and granite characters on the other. A good, well-developed character will have areas of fragility and areas of toughness, and those the proportion of those will vary according to the character and their characterization and their background and all sorts of stuff like that. Tough characters, mentally tough characters, still have all the reactions that regular characters do, but those reactions are well contextualized. A mentally tough character will still grieve when they lose something or someone they care about, but that grief will not shatter their sense of self. They will still feel threatened when they're on the wrong end of a gun, or the wrong end of a divorce, or the wrong end of a betrayal. But the difficulty they're facing will not threaten their sense of security in who they are or their confidence that they will be able to rise again. Or at least they won't threaten them over the long term. They may have a dark night of the soul, but they will bounce back. Mentally tough people tend to be much less focused on their own internal states than fragile people. The shorthand for the spectrum from fragility to toughness is also very similar for the spectrum from childishness to maturity, is that people who are fragile and thus at the mercy of the world tend to have an internal locus of focus, meaning that they're always hyper-conscious of their own mental and emotional states, and an external locus of control, meaning they have a sense that what they're feeling in here is caused by something out there and they therefore don't have control in any 
degree over how they react. Because they're focused on their feelings, particularly their feelings of the moment, they tend to be very, very concerned with trying to control the world outside so that they can keep themselves safe on the inside. People who are at the other end of the spectrum, who have an external locus of focus and an internal locus of control, these are the kind of people that walked out of Auschwitz and wound up doing pretty well. It's the kind of person you can see Solzhenitsyn growing into over the course of the Gulag Archipelago. These are the people who can look death, tragedy, horror in the face, be properly horrified by it, and still get on with their lives as if their lives are their own. There's something about them that says, what happens out there is not in control of who I am in here. Who I am in here is under my control. But what happens out there, that's where I can make a difference. So I'm not worried too much about policing my own feelings. What I'm worried about are my actions and the effect they have in the world. Those are your two extremes. A good character, even a really strong character, is going to have weaknesses. Areas where that's flipped or where, where it's miscalibrated to the situation. In Greek drama, it was classically hubris. You get a very strong character who was so strong that they became impressed with their own power, and therefore, and in their strength, their locus of focus and locus of control flipped, and they started trying to do the business of the gods, which brought the wrath of the gods down upon them and screwed up their lives. That's the essence of Greek tragedy. That's the, the character flaw of hubris isn't exactly arrogance, and it isn't exactly overweening ambition. It is, in fact, the desire to supplant the gods, or the feeling that one has supplanted the gods. We use it now to refer to overweening ambition because we are a culture where our gods are much more uh, uh, theoretical. If they we've exist at all. We've already supplanted them. Yeah, we've already supplanted them in almost every single way possible to the from the view of an ancient. So we tend to view hubris as overweening ambition. You're doing something that society says you shouldn't do. And you think that you're above the rest of us. It's still the same kind of thing where um, the the strong and the maverick when their focus becomes too much on their own power and too little on what their power does in the world, at the extreme end of character strength and toughness, suddenly they become weak because their priorities invert again. So um, that's how you can have an incredibly strong and tough character still have a tragic flaw. But that's basically how tough, how mental toughness works. Uh, the way that you would, of course, if you're inside a character's head, that's all easy to see. If you're looking at a character from outside, the character, mentally tough people on the outside are often fairly unflappable. They're often very agentic. They're often very even keel, except once pushed past a certain point, at which point they are fucking terrifying. Do not want to be on the bad side of a tough person if you've pushed them past their breaking point. They have a very long fuse, but when they go off, they are capable of anything, and they're okay with that because they know what they're capable of. 
so they're unlikely to be uh, to get scared by the depth of their own rage or their capacity for violence or their ability to mentally ruin the people around them. If they are provoked to that point, they will take action that they think is appropriate, and then they won't be disturbed about it afterwards. This is different than a sociopath who is actually quite concerned with what happens afterwards because they enjoy the suffering they're inflicting, or a psychopath who is insensate to what happens afterwards. A tough character is different from both of those two because the tough character, when they get pushed to that extreme, they simply accept responsibility for what they're doing. It's baked into the calculus. They don't have long nights of the soul with guilt afterwards because they already had that a long time ago when they learned what they were capable of, when they decided what their policy was on dealing with certain things. When they went past, when they allowed themselves to stay in a situation where their fuse was getting burnt up like that, and they know where their breaking point is, staying in that situation means they have already accepted responsibility for what will happen when they're pushed past their breaking point. These are characters like John Wick, like, um, like uh, Liam Neeson's character in the Taken movies, like Harrison Ford in Witness. These are extremely tough characters who are not cold-hearted, psychopathic bastards. They are simply very tough people who have been pushed past their breaking point and who have decided, now it's time to break, now the world is on notice, and let the chips fall where they may. So that's what they look like from the outside. Again, they're often very calming presences to be around, except to people who are very insecure. People who are very insecure find tough people threatening, not because they're doing anything threatening, but because they get that sense that they're in the presence of someone who's got things surrounded in a way that they don't. It shows kind of a light on how they don't respect themselves to be in the presence of someone who powerfully respects themselves so much that they never have to make an issue of it. And that's the other thing you'll find with tough people. They don't make an issue of it most of the time. Unless someone is asking about it, or unless they're in a situation where the toughness really comes out and they're the leader, they have no need to prove themselves, and so, you can only see them coming if you are so insecure that you notice that they're not. For most everybody else, they're invisible. Anyway, those are some tells. Can you think of any others, Kitty? I think you covered that pretty damn well. This one and your previous question from a couple of days ago both tie into the nonfiction book I've just finished writing, so these are all right at the top of my head. Uh, thank you very, very much for the question, Tim, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty Nakian and is distributed by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text and production are copyright 2024, J. Daniel Sawyer. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to the author. There are new books in the Everyday Novelist series coming out this year, so be sure to visit everydaynovelist.com support to join up and get your free copies of these new books as 